Welcome to Spark Creators, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. This podcast invites creators and entrepreneurs from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe every kid is creative. It's just a matter of taking that first step and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. If you want to stay inspired, remember to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or visit us at peachandplumlab.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark Creators. I'm your host, Lee Zen. Today, I'm excited to have Roxanne Christopher, the founder of Girls Crushing It, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering girls to flex their leadership muscles through entrepreneurship. So, hi, Roxanne. <laughs> hi, Lee. Thank you for having me. Definitely great to see you.、Um, we have chatted on the phone a little bit, but today it's our formal interview, so I'm so glad you can be here.、Um, first, can you say hi to our listener and introduce a little bit about yourself, like some of your background and experience? Sure.、Um, so I'm Roxanne Kristoff, and I started the nonprofit Girls Crushing It, as you said. And、um, Really, my background is that I worked in public relations, and I also was an entrepreneur.、Um, but the way that the nonprofit started was really with my daughters. They started to sell products at school, and、um, they very quickly saturated the market. And they asked me to take them to the farmers market to sell products, and we did that. And it was a wonderful experience. And the nonprofit was a way of supporting their entrepreneurial spirits. And we really、um, grew rapidly once we. Um, invited friends to join us at the farmers market. That's great.、Uh, I read that news a little bit. So since you have talked a little bit about your daughters, can you tell us about your family overall? Do you only have two daughters? Yes,、um, Sophie and Kristoff. Yes,、um, Sophie is in fourth grade. She's nine, and、um, Kristoff is in sixth grade. She's eleven, and、um, they they both started. Their entrepreneurial journeys, sort of on their own at school with their passions, and so Kristoff started with origami, and Sophie was selling little containers of perfume at school, <laughs> and wow, and that was sort of how it started. They just got bitten by this bug, and once they invited friends to to join them at the farmers market, um, they. They wanted to invite neighbors, and so we put a post on our online community, and we thought maybe we'll have a dozen girls that'll sign on to join them to sell their products, and fifty girls signed up. So we immediately outgrew the farmers market. Wow! Yeah, and and so at that point, it was eye opening to me because I had no idea there were that many girls in the community who also had businesses. I thought that maybe my girls were the only ones who had this interest, so I knew that I had to do something to support the entrepreneurial spirits of my daughters and their、yeah. friends. But in the beginning, when your daughters got started, like, do they、um, started on their own, or do like do they have some kind of program or something like classes in school that required them to finish a homework or something like that? No, they just started on their own. Kristoff was always folding origami and. In our house, we're always doing things that are related to origami. So they're watching Shark Tank, <laughs> and I was an entrepreneur, and so they would watch me develop my pitch and go down to Silicon Valley to 
to pitch my business. And so it was already sort of in the fabric of our family to to start a business. And so they had witnessed me doing that. And so I think that it was just second nature to them so that um, when she started to make origami and sell it at school, she invited people to, you know, she called them her business partners. She she invited her business partners to do this along with her. And while the school did not have an entrepreneurship program, they were very supportive. It was a small private school and the teachers were supportive. They even bought the products and they allowed the girls to sort of follow this passion. Definitely. Yeah. So from what I heard, um, your girls influenced you, like basically um, inspired you to start this nonprofit organization. And at the same time, your entrepreneurial journey has also inspired your girls to do something very entrepreneurial. Yeah. But Besides that part, like, do you tell us a little more about, like, say, your professional background? How does that connect um, you to, like, empower girls with leadership and entrepreneurship, right? Some mom or parents wanted to do that, but maybe they are not an entrepreneur or they haven't done something similar like this, so they don't even know how to support their kids. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, my undergraduate degree is in communication. My graduate degree is in public relations but so more related to marketing aspect, yeah. Yes. So, so I have a very, um, I have a broad background that helps me do a lot of what is required to run a nonprofit. I've worked in both private and public sectors. And then when I started my own business, after I had my children, I wanted the flexibility to be able to work from home. Um, much of what I did was self-taught. And so I recognized that while I may not have an MBA, we As part of what our nonprofit does, we partner with lecturers from MBA programs. And so we bring these local business people or MBA professors onto our advisory board, or we bring them in as volunteers, and they come in and they really help us um, expose the girls to MBA-inspired curriculum and concepts that they teach at their university to students. And so it's really about the partnership with people who are subject matter experts and also understanding that girls are so much more capable than we give them credit for and working with these distinguished lecturers to be able to come in and present topics and information in a way that the girls are excited about it and that they can access it at the level that they're at. Yeah, that's great. You reminded me of something people saying entrepreneurs and leaders, sometimes they don't have to, you know, like know everything and do everything themselves. Like their strength is to bring the resources together and then to trust on other people you know like empower other people to help them to grow the organization and grow the business yeah which is great because um that you can bring so many people on board to help you with the same mission that you believe right yeah i would say it's critical and our nonprofit has grown very rapidly we we have not yet even hit the two-year mark but we've educated more than 300 girls and our pop-up shops have been attended by 10,000 shoppers. And so our girls have the ability to interact with that number of people because of these partnerships, partnerships with nonprofits, but also partnerships with individual lecturers and coaches who come in and work with our girls. And none of that would be made possible without these strategic partnerships and recognizing um, while I have some level of expertise, I really have to pull in people who can drill down on the very broad topics that the girls 
need to know to start a business. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we are going to dive into the pop up shop and the program you guys have um, late a little later, more in depth. Yeah, but.、Um, Another question I have, actually, it's more like a tradition we have. Like on this podcast, we ask the guests to share some values they really believe in. So, if you would choose like one to two keywords to share with us, what would it be for you? So, one of the things that underscores everything that we do, it has to do with being able to get the girls to flex their leadership muscles. And so, the value that I think、um, I would emphasize there has to do with tenacity. And just being able to overcome a problem when the girls face a challenge, like any entrepreneur, you will always face challenges. And so, I would say the ability to like critically think and solve problems that you come across. And we also value ingenuity, and you know, the girls understanding that what they do may be creative, but they really can channel that creativity into something that. Really, is a business, and it's fulfilling both financially and emotionally. And so, just sparking an awareness that their passion and their ingenuity can be channeled into a business is something that we work really hard on having the girls make that connection. Got it. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I would love to learn a little bit more about. Your childhood and how your family shaped who you are, you know, because this is a podcast for kids and parents, and、um, we always ask adults guests like about their childhood, how it is like, you know, for them when they grown up, and how does their family, you know, like help or supported them. So, do you always grown up in California, or、um, did you move to California from somewhere else? Yeah, I'm actually originally from Louisiana, and we. Moved around quite a bit.、Um, once my husband and I got married, we met in Houston, and then we've also lived in Cincinnati and、wow. Charlotte, North Carolina, and、um, Oakland, and now Orinda, California. So that is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we've moved around quite a bit.、Um, you know, my childhood was one where I came from a line of entrepreneurs, but it wasn't necessarily cultivated. And me, my parents felt like、um, it's hard and stressful to be an entrepreneur, and they felt like it would be better for me to have a education where I had a steady job, and I wasn't necessarily encouraged to take risks. And so, as a result, I really did not pursue entrepreneurship until much later in life. And so,、um, I will, I do encourage that risk taking much younger for my children. Um, I understand why my parents wanted me to have a career that was much more stable,、um, and I understand their ideas around that. But I would like my girls to be able to explore entrepreneurship, be able to take risks at a younger age, because it's so much harder to do that once you're older. You have responsibilities, you have so much more at that's at stake. So I think the more that they can flex those. Leadership muscles when they're young, it can become second nature, and it changes the way that children move through the world. So instead of going through the world, "Woe is me!" and "Oh, this is a problem," so many of the girls that go through our program, they look at a challenge and they immediately think, "This is a business opportunity." So I think it's really important to encourage entrepreneurship at an early age. Yeah, definitely. And we have to say 
that the time is very different now. You know, like in this digital age compared to when we grown up, like、um, where our focus is is a little bit different because the opportunity and resources is like so accessible and available、uh, right in front of us. You know, anybody who have an idea, they can easily turn it into an opportunity. Yeah, and I actually had the similar experience when I was young that I、uh, had nothing. Like I feel like I I was always. Like creative, but I've never done anything entrepreneurial because there's no resources, nobody out there telling me that's what I can, you know, I can do something like that. So I guess that gives us a lot of motivation and also courage, like later in life. That since that's something we haven't pursued, maybe you know, like we'll try harder to pursue at a later life, you know,、uh, when the opportunities come. So that's great to hear. Yeah.、Um, From your understanding, like with this youth entrepreneurship and leadership, what? Why do you think it's so important for girls to learn business and leadership skills? Well, we know that girls are at risk of experiencing a drop in self-esteem between the ages of eight and twelve, and that can really alter their academic and career trajectories. And so, we want to reach them. Before this happens, and we want to give them this exposure to entrepreneurship and leadership, so that whenever they have the opportunity to have STEM classes that will、um, put them on a path towards business and entrepreneurship, they have the confidence to feel as though they can do that and they can excel in it. And so, so much of what we do is around building their confidence. Definitely, and and so on your website, there are a lot of data, right, related to、um, women in leadership and girls, like you know, like in terms of their、uh, career in STEM, and also how many you know leaders are there out there in the market right now. Like、uh, girls, actually, even though we are, you know, we we can say we are half of the population, there's not a lot of representation in the high level kind of leadership roles. Yeah, and I think starting at a young age, like you're really trying to shape, you know, their mindset. And telling them they can do that too. You know they are as good as anybody else. Yeah, out there,、um, who can be a leader and entrepreneur. Right. I mean the the thing that is so hard to believe is that girls outperform boys in school, yet they only make up、um, a tiny fraction of the C suite executives. So、um, they have the capability. We just want to give them the toolbox to fulfill. What they are capable of, definitely. I actually three years ago or something in two thousand and sixteen, I did a book related to women's facts like data, and that shocked me. Like related to you know how many women in the leadership role in C suite and how many girls took you know like took STEM classes and later choose STEM as their career path is like shockingly you know surprising that they. Yeah, later in life that they decided that's not something for them or something like that. Yeah. So about your organization, Girls Crushing It, it is a nonprofit organization. And what made you wanted to do a nonprofit rather than full profit business? So realizing the strategic partnerships that were going to have to come into play, the investment that is required to build out. This infrastructure to support these girls. I felt like becoming a nonprofit gives us so much more access to corporate donations and、um, foundation donations that it felt like it would be much more sustainable to provide these services under the umbrella of a nonprofit.、Um, what we did was structured in a for-profit 
model, the cost would be prohibitive. The cost of registration would be prohibitive, I think. And it certainly um, would not, our programming would not be accessible to the girls that need it. A small fraction of girls might be able to, to um, benefit from the programming if we actually charged every single girl what it costs to put this programming on. We need to be able to supplement the cost of the programming with corporate support. Got it. And since the podcast actually encourages kids to start early and not re- only related to their ideas, you know, like to sell products, but also to do anything that in- that's impactful for the world. And I have interviewed previously um, with girls who have started their own nonprofit organization, even uh, starting from middle school, high school, even all the way to college. Yeah. So can you share a little bit with us what it takes to set up a nonprofit organization? Do you think can young girls and boys set up their own nonprofit organization with their help, you know, from their parents? Okay. So the first thing that you would have to do is you have to outline your charitable mission and you of course have to submit your 501c3 paperwork for approval to the IRS. And it's a large process and they, there is an easier process where if you feel that you are not going to be fundraising six figures or more in a year, you can submit an easy form to be a 501c3. And so that might be something that would be more accessible for children is to maybe not be a full-blown 501c3, but to submit the easy form. I think that that um, would probably be some, like the paperwork is more streamlined and the requirements are a little bit um, not as detailed. So, got it. And then, because it's a nonprofit organization, usually you have to bring board members, right? And you do. There are many requirements. Yes, you have to bring board members. You have to file um, your paperwork annually with the IRS. You need to make sure that if you are collecting donations, that you that all of that money goes back into the nonprofit. There. Are, are certainly a lot of accounting procedures that need to be put in place. Yeah, yeah. And because it's a nonprofit organization, so uh, fundraising, it will be like a very frequent, you know, type of activity or things you do in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the type of nonprofit, you would want a healthy mix between maybe program income and donations. And so if you had a nonprofit where you could charge admission, that would be a healthy mix to have maybe 50% of your money coming from admission and 50% coming from donations. If you're 100% focused on donations, um, it creates a um, dependency on one stream of revenue. And so the idea of being able to diversify would make the nonprofit a little bit more sustainable. It's something that I look at in my nonprofit is having a healthy mix of how we have earned income versus contributed income. Yeah, so related to your program, yeah, I would love to know more about it. Can you tell us a little bit about how many programs do you have at Girls Crushing It and give us a like overview about your program? Yes, so our program is MBA-inspired educational workshops that are taught by local leaders or business school professors, and they come in and they teach everything from entrepreneurship 101 to 
product ideation and development or crushing your pitch. They also teach about um, branding and design thinking or aspects like social entrepreneurship and, of course, financial literacy. Every time we get together, I will always tell the girls that because of the gaps in the gaps in pay disparities, women retire with 30% less money than men do. And so talking about financial planning and financial literacy is always something that we do in our programming because once the girls complete our programming, they complete our pop-up shops, they um, will walk away with a stack full of cash. And I want them to be so thoughtful about how they reinvest it in their business in a sustainable way, how they save it, how they um, come up with budgets for what they spend, and also if they earmark money that they want to give to a charity. We go through all of that with them. At the culmination of our educational curriculum, the girls have the opportunity to participate in a pop-up shop. So just like in life, you don't just show up on the day of your meeting or your big event without having put in the work. And so our educational curriculum is required to be able to participate in the pop-up shop. So once the curriculum piece has been fulfilled, the girls can sell their products at a pop-up shop. And ours range in size anywhere from four to 600 people, or we partner with larger organizations and we've had attendance in the thousands. And so the girls have the opportunity to deliver pitches firsthand to customers. They have the flexibility to ask questions, get customer feedback. And then the next time they participate, they can pivot and maybe figure out, oh, this product would sell better if I made this adjustment based on customer feedback, or maybe the market was saturated with my product. And now I need to think about opportunity in the market where it doesn't exist. And so um, that is sort of the crux of what we do. Definitely. So several follow-up questions related to the program. Um, Like, do you guys charge or is it free for girls to attend this? And do you guys involve their parents too? Or not really? And do you guys plan to offer online programs in the future? Or Because right now it seems like mostly our um, own sites, right? Sorry, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, we do charge. Registration is under $100 per girl. Um, it only covers a fraction of what it costs for this programming to, um, for us to develop this programming and to execute it. And so that is why we're a nonprofit because we fundraise to cover the gap. Um, and then parents are heavily involved. So when we do the workshops, each business has to have one parent chaperone. And so if a business includes four girls that are business partners, they have to at least have one parent who is the chaperone for across that business. And the reason being is that the parents need to understand the requirements, um, We have so many girls that want to participate, and it's very important that the parents are tuned in so that they understand the investment in time, the investment in resources. They understand the inventory requirements, the logistics. There's so much involved in what we do when you have hundreds or thousands of people coming out to buy your products that the parents have to understand the commitment and be supportive um, all the time. Be in place to support the children. And they are. And they also need to understand um, there's a fine line between supporting the girls and providing too much (laughs) contribution and doing it for them. Yeah. Yeah. But at a very minimum, they have to be there to um, provide support 
part of it is financial, but also part of it is just encouragement and creating opportunities and space for the girls to channel their passion into a business. And yeah, that's why you don't want every parents to partner with one kid so that it will become like a parent managing the business. And you are using the parent as a way to mentor the kids and to support them whenever they need it. Yeah, you know, we really want the parents to understand your girl will get out of this what she puts into it. And so the more that she is able to interact with customers, problem solve, figure out how to um, make decisions on her own, the more leadership skills she's going to gain and the more um, empowered she's going to be on the other end. Okay. And then in answer to your question about whether or not we would have our curriculum online, um, online. right now our program is in quite high demand. And so we always have a lengthy waiting list. And so we are currently um, strategizing how to support girls that are on the waiting list. And I don't know if that'll be through online programming necessarily. So you have limited number for each program to run, basically. We do. And in order for the program to have maximum impact, the sweet spot is between 60 and 80 girls. And if it's bigger than that, um, it it feels like maybe they don't have the individual attention that they might need. And so we end up having waiting lists that have 30 or 40 girls. And so um, potentially online could be an avenue, but also setting up chapters is an avenue to support the increased demand or perhaps having more workshops where the pop-up shop is not necessarily always the cherry on top. You could just do the workshop and that's a standalone piece and it would allow more girls to participate. And so just thinking about creative ways to be able to accommodate all the demand. Yeah, definitely. So how many pop-up shops have you guys done on so far? Okay, so to date, I think that we've done around 10 pop-up shops. But in addition to pop-up shops, we also have leadership opportunities. And so we have been... We've had opportunities such as CEO panel discussion that we partner with another nonprofit on. So um, we've also had, we've been invited to um, take part in summits with other nonprofits. And so there will also be opportunities in between our educational programming where girls have the ability to come in as leaders and either take part in a panel or watch a panel, be mentored by a CEO, um, or mentor a younger girl. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you just said that you haven't found it like more than two years and you already had 10 pop-up shops. That's like five each year. It's like more than one per quarter. That's a lot to prepare. <laughs> Yes, and some of the pop-up shops are 100% run by us, and then others are um, where we partner with another nonprofit. And so that is a very efficient way for us to get our girls in front of festival goers. One of the organizations that we partner with is um, based in San Francisco, and it's, um, it's called Girls Festival, and our missions are so perfectly aligned that it just makes a lot of sense for us to be able to... Um, plug into what they're already doing. And there's just so much value for us to be able to partner with a nonprofit that has a very similar um, base that they outreach to. Definitely. In terms of organizing the 
program or the pop-up shop. I think it's it must be like an evolving process for you, yeah. Because you just mentioned that the first time you guys organized like over fifty to sixty girls along with your daughters, right, to start um, the first kind of pop-up shop and allow everyone to participate. And now you probably have a completely different um, setup or a much more complete process, you know, to teach the girls about entrepreneurship and allow them to show up um, with their products at the pop-up shop. So can you tell us a little bit about like from the beginning till now, like just give us like maybe two you know, like that the story about your first pop up shop, and now what do you? How do you run it, and what is the process is like? Because we can tr- see a transition, right, of evolvement. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the most interesting thing about my journey with Girls Crushing It is that I didn't set out to do this. It has all been <laughs> very organic and growth. And uh-huh. so our very first pop up shop was really in response to something that was going on with my children and their friends and our neighbors. And so the very first pop-up shop had so much spontaneity and um, just... No ads, no marketing. It's just like people come together. Yeah, no, naturally. It was, it was all completely organic. And so it came together in this very natural way where we posted it. We got this amazing demand where we were instantly bigger than the farmer's market. And so we just sort of said we have to figure out how to make this work. What are we going to do to make sure that these 50 girls feel prepared on the day of the pop-up shop? Oh, well, the moms all got together and said, well, we should do a business workshop. Okay, well, what does that involve? And everything just developed on the fly. Well, one mom raised her hand and said, well, I can do graphic design and I'll put together a Mad Lib document that'll be fun for them to fill out with their pitch. And then another mom said, okay, well, I can moderate the panel discussion. And so... Over time, those elements just got blown out and more moms and volunteers came into the fold that had varied backgrounds and experiences that could really help support these girls in all sorts of ways. And so today what it looks like is um, our board of directors is very involved in the um, programming of the pop-up shops as well as the workshops. the workshops in particular, the very first one, um, we had a panel discussion that had girls on it. And that has been one theme that from day one has always been um, a thread that runs through, is that we want the girls to be able to learn from each other. Because while learning from an adult is amazing and good, there's a spark that goes off when they are peers. listening to their peers. And they are so inspired and encouraged to hear the stories of girls that are their own age that, you know, that they look up to. Um, so, so much of what we do is based on this community of moms or um, just like community members who want to come in and support the girls and loan their time and talents. And so whether that is boys who are allies who want to volunteer at the pop-up shop as ushers to help the girls get set up at their tables, or whether that is, you know, moms who are helping us fundraise for the pop-up shop, or, um, you know, we have a great photographer who donates her time and talents to make sure that our girls have professional headshots so that maybe if they have a blog, they have a great professional photo with their product. So at this point, it's just all hands on deck. And we are so blessed to have volunteers that come in from 
all walks of life and offer services that I never could have imagined to bring into the fold. Um, Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, because this is like in demand and people are kind of engaged, you know, with it because their daughters or people around them are participating in this. And so they're willing to put their time and effort into this as well. That's great. Uh, Tell us a little bit, you know, tell us a story like or two related to the girls who have created products and sold to customers from your pop-up shop. Anything you remember? Sure. Yeah, I have a couple of great stories. So um, one of the girls, her name is Jada. Um, she she has a business called Jay Alexandria's Hair Boutique. And so she creates hair bows. And she sells close to $1,000 at, you know, at a pop-up shop. And so what we found was that her mom told me the story that she invested this money in a mutual fund and it increased really rapidly. And so I said, I would really love for her to help moderate our financial literacy discussion. And so she got up and she talked to the girls about how she had been gifted with a Dave Ramsey book on investing. And her mom took her to open up this mutual fund. And the girls in the room, the hands were in the air. And Jada was able to define mutual fund and talk about the difference between like a debit card and a credit card and why it's so important to invest. And I think that it just um, sparked an wow. awareness in the girls in a yeah. different way than, you know, we of course had a lecturer who was up talking about banking and finances, but when Jada got up there, suddenly the girls were um, just so much more in- excited about being able to listen to her journey. And so, and then we have another story where um, one of the girls created bath bombs and the name of her business is called Fizzy Fun Bath Time. And so she had taken her money from a previous pop-up shop and she had reinvested it back into um, inventory to make a batch of bath bombs. But when she made the bath bombs, one of the ingredients was omitted. So as a result, the bath bombs did not form into the mold and they were just loose powder. So she was left with this powder that she had you know, invested all of her money in. So she had to really quickly think on her feet, how can I salvage all this inventory that I've purchased? And so she researched and came up with this idea to put this powder into dissolvable envelopes and she created bath sachets. And I think that that is such a great example of how girls are learning at an early age to problem solve, pivot in a business and come out the other side with something better than where you started. And be and be okay with failure and not taken down by it. So um, we have so many stories like that where the girls are just, you know, figuring out how to solve problems and creating tons of confidence when they do come up with a solution. Got it. That's great to hear. You know, like you said, all these programs and including the pop-up shop all come like organically, naturally formed from a very simple idea, like to support girls with entrepreneurship and leadership. And now as the pop-up shops keeps going and more girls, you know, get the product sold and then they can earn more money. And you even have a lot of stories related to how girls are investing their money and teaching other girls how, you know, related to uh, investment and, and um, financial literacy and which is amazing. But I know that as an entrepreneur in this process, like it seemed like very smooth, you know, for everything, like it seems like come together automatically for you. But 
I'm sure you probably put a lot of efforts into it, and also that there are a lot of like challenges, you know, in the process when you are going through、um, like building and all these events and programs and inviting people together. Yeah. So, what are some challenges you think that you have gone through、um, in the process building this business? And yeah, what would you suggest、um, if people who wanted to do similar things? Yeah, I mean, I think the road to entrepreneurship, you will always have challenges, and so.、Um, I think initially one of the biggest challenges just has to do with resources. When you,、um, we came on the scene at a time when,、um, you know, the Me Too movement was happening, and there is this great demand for parents to want to give their girls resources for how to overcome systemic disparities in the workplace. And so, because there is so much demand, it's also it's. It has been a challenge to have enough resources to support the demand, and so just having the ability and the infrastructure to even be able to respond when volunteers say that they have, when they have experiences that they can contribute, when they have, so being able to even mobilize volunteers, figuring out an efficient way, to, an efficient place to direct their talents,、um, also. Putting processes in place where where we have a blueprint that can allow us to even be able to plug in volunteers, and so it's taken us this last eighteen months to just have this blueprint that this is what happens in one of our workshops, or this is the collaboration that takes place between the nonprofit and a lecturer, because when a lecturer comes in, you know, they are the subject matter expert that has. Been delivering this content at the level of an MBA student, and so just thinking, what is that process to be able to work with a lecturer to distill that information down to a level where the kids can absorb it? And so that's just one example.、Um, yeah, and just making sure that we are able to secure funding in a way that our programming can be sustainable. And so right now, our top initiative is just to be able to. Do corporate fundraising that allows us to、um, continue on the sustained trajectory. So, in this podcast,、um, we encourage kids to take action as soon as possible. Like, start their idea, start their business as soon as possible. What are some actions you recommend them to start now? So. I would say that their product should come from a place of passion, and if their parents are able to just give them resources to explore that passion and give them the space to fail and bounce back, and just be very open to what they're doing, but also give them、um, give them the space to explore and be sort of hands off and let them see where. They are naturally driven.、Um, none of what I'm doing would be possible without just letting my kids fly, go in their direction, and just sort of giving them a baseline level of support to what they're already doing. And so I would say, instead of coming in and prescribing what the solution is, what they need to be doing, it's more just putting a baseline level of support underneath what they're already doing. That's great, yeah. Because I was about to ask you suggestions for parents who wanted to raise entrepreneurial kids, yeah. So definitely let the 
kid to own their you know idea, own their process and product. But for anything that you can help, like along the way, if they need you, right, then you can stand up and to to help in the process. And what are some books, podcasts, or resources that would you recommend to kids and parents? Um, yeah, who have this kind of interest of starting a business or train, you know, like on the leadership skills, things like that. Yeah. So, um, on the podcast front, the podcast that my girls and I love is How I Built This on NPR with Guy Raz. Oh, he just has mm-hmm. a really interesting mix of founders that come on and talk about their stories, and we are always captivated by so many of the people that come on. Um, some of the top of mind podcasts that I might recommend, like the episodes of How I Built This. There's one about Chuck E. Cheese and Atari. There's one about Power Rangers, and those are just a couple of How I Built This episodes that. Could sort of um, get the ball rolling. Wow! Um, and then maybe for teenagers, along the same lines, how I built this. If you have girls, like maybe a podcast about Rent the Runway. That's one that was really interesting to my girls. Or um, okay, and then on the book front, one of our favorite books right now is "Girls Who Run the World: Thirty One CEOs Who Mean Business." And so that's by a Bay Area author, Diana Cap. And she interviewed 31 female CEOs who um, whose contributions to business wow. were not really highlighted to date. And so it's a wonderful read and it's beautifully illustrated and it's one that I would definitely recommend. So to wrap up, uh, my last question is, what is your biggest hope for your girls? And do you want to say anything to girls who are out there uh, who wanted to grow up to be entrepreneurs and leaders? My goal is to um, empower them to empower them with the confidence and the tenacity to take on challenges in life, and so I just want to give them enough exposure and experiences that if they feel like they want to try something new, they feel supported to go and do that. And in terms of the broader audience of girls, what I would say is. Not everyone is going to be an entrepreneur, and understanding that at the offset is great. But the tips—I'm sorry—but the skills that they learn through the entrepreneurial process, those skills are something that they can take with them throughout life. And so, um, I think being okay with the fact that um, it's okay—not everyone's going to start a business, but if they want to go through the process and just have fun along the way, they're going to walk away feeling empowered and there's so much that they'll learn. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think, Roxanne, you are doing some amazing things, you know, like to empower girls because nowadays, um, like not only in girls, um, we talk about like how kids learn, you know, in school and how um, their character can be built and how, you know, like important it is for them to learn a lot of qualities that cannot be taught, you know, by school. And what you are doing right now, like through your program, through your pop-up shop, is not only bring together this group of girls and parents together to learn um, about entrepreneurship and leadership. It is to teach them a life skill, you know, something related to solving problems, seeing problems as opportunity 
their life so that they can deal with any problem in the future, right? And always have an eye open for something that's you know like in front of them. Either 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 it's challenges or problems, and they can turn that into something positive and amazing to contribute to the world too. Yeah, and along the way, like they they gain financial literacy. You know, they got they gain confidence talking to people, communication skills, and uh, either you know even having fun with all the girls together. You know, like build relationships with parents. Just too many good things come together. You know, like with what you are doing. Like yeah, so that's why I, I was I was asking like online. Programs, you know, something related to that, because I think I do think there's probably a bigger need out there for people who are looking for resources and organizations and people who are doing things like this. Yeah, so I just wanted to, you know, like encourage you and also give the biggest shout out to you that you guys are doing some something amazing. I wish the best, you know, for your nonprofit organization to grow and to get the best support and resources, you know, from. All over the place, not only in California, but country and worldwide too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's such a compliment coming from you. You have so much depth and breadth of experience in this area. So thank you. I think that you sum that up beautifully. I I just think like it's amazing to see people putting this in real action and touching life one by one. You know, it's just amazing to see this. Yeah. So,、um, yeah. I hope you guys can keep doing this, and one day I will visit your pop up shop. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not、that. too far away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I will bring some girls over too. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but we'll definitely keep in touch. Yep.、Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators podcast at peachandplumlab dot com.